Welcome to the MyCode Podcast. I am your host, Sergio Delamo, and today I have a very special episode. Simon Stepniak, the creator of uh, MM Files, uh, a project which uh, has been filling our Twitter timelines with great uh, MyCode tips, has interviewed in the recent uh, Gralvian community meetup uh, MyCode founder, uh, Graham Merche, and he has been so kind to share the interview with me. So I will uh, leave you later uh, with the interview uh, for you to enjoy. But uh, before going to the interview, I have a couple of uh, housekeeping to do. First, I would like to talk about Agenda. Uh, we released the uh, Micro 370 today, Cura. It's uh, full of features. I am going to include a link in the show notes, but just check it out. Uh, there is really probably uh, something for everyone, um, depending on the models that you are using. We will probably talk in another episode about uh, some of the features uh, with more detail. I wanted to also uh, cover a couple of agenda topics that we have uh, upcoming. We have an in-person uh, workshop in London uh, about uh, Micronaut and AWS Lambda, uh, which uh, I will uh, present myself. Uh, and uh, we have also uh, Graham Roche, speaking of Graham. Uh, he's going to be talking at Java One uh, about uh, Micot. I think he has a couple of sessions. I will include a link in the show notes to, to both. Uh, and last but not least, uh, we have uh, an upcoming Micron Data Training. I will include a link in the show notes as well. So if you are interested in uh, learning about Micron Data and everything that it has to offer, which is uh, many, many things, please don't hesitate to attend uh, that training. And... With uh, all of this, I'm going to uh, leave you in the interview. Thank you. Let me introduce our first guest. He's the creator of Grails Framework and Micronaut Framework, Java Champion and Oracle Groundbreaker Award winner, uh, architect at Oracle Labs, and last but not least, a very humble and kind open source community member. Ladies and gentlemen, Graham Rocher. Thanks for the intro. I think you said everything that needs to be said, and uh, very humble to you know, to uh, be introduced in that manner. I think it's probably a bit much. Uh, Graham, can you tell us a little bit about the upcoming Micronote uh, 3.7 release before we move forward? Sure. Yes. So that's coming very soon. With the minor releases of Micronote, we're trying to deliver frequent minor releases every six weeks that bring value uh, and new features. Uh, quickly so that people can try things every six weeks. And that's no different with this release. So there, there's a number of areas we focused on. So we've built a new module that, uh, that defines an abstraction over cloud object storage implementations. So things like Amazon S3, Oracle Cloud object storage, uh, Google Cloud object storage, et cetera. They each provide, uh, you know, a cloud specific API and that makes it's difficult to create cloud-boardable applications because you, you know, when you want to move from one cloud to another, you have to code essentially to the um, cloud-specific object storage implementation. And if you're doing anything, uh, which is quite difficult in the cloud, where you're storing file uploads in, in buckets or whatever, you know, it, it introduces this coupling. Um, so that's one of the, the main new features where we have this abstraction where you can upload files and download files. Um, essentially through an abstraction and then reconfigure your app, your app for different clouds and redeploy, which aligns with our like focus on trying to make Micronaut 
kind of multi-cloud and cloud-portable abstraction and so forth. We also have um, improvements to our Spring support. So we have a lot of folks who are, have, who are using Micronaut, but they have Spring applications already, and they're looking for ways to like share code between a Spring app and a Micronaut app. Uh, and it's been an often requested feature. You know, I have I have a Spring app. It defines some library that defines common beans that I can inject into my Spring app. How can I get this into my Micronaut app so that I can reuse that existing library or logic? Uh, so we've implemented support for Spring Bean import. Essentially, you can take an existing Spring library um, and add an import statement as an annotation to your Micronaut app, and it will generate a compilation time beans for that for those equivalent Spring beans. Um, so you can create shared libraries that can be used in both Micronaut and Spring. With Spring, it does the analysis at, analysis at runtime, and like it always does, figuring it out, you know, using reflection and so forth. With Micronaut, it does everything at compilation time and wires it into the existing compilation time mechanism, and you can dependency inject those components into your application, which I think will be very useful for a lot of companies out there who have, you know, uh, existing Spring apps and Micronaut apps living side by side, essentially, um, providing that migration path, you know. Um, uh, so I think that's that's a big deal. We've also implemented support for uh, cloud logging solutions, so <clears throat> specific integration with logback that you can log directly to AWS Cloud Watch, and you can log directly to Oracle Cloud Logging, or we already had support for uh, GCP logging, so now you can provide different configurations for different clouds to export your logs. Because, you know, I think that's that's an important aspect because, you know, when you, you know, most logging systems in the cloud, um, you know, you essentially get line by you know system out line by line logs, which is not really what what you want. You know you want to set the whole log in the JSON format the cloud wants, so that you can expand it and look at it and read it and understand it in a more. And of course, if you have a lot of microservices, you want to expose the uh, trace IDs um, and the span IDs. You know if you're using distributed tracing, so that you can see you know trace a call from throughout from one call microservice to another. And retain those. Uh, so it links in with our kind of distributed tracing integration, which we we released. You know, in Micronaut 3.6, we released support for Open Telemetry, which was a, a big deal for a lot of users. And this expands that to help you know, make sure the logs are consistent in the cloud, which is which is pretty cool. And I'm probably missing something in you know because there's there's a lot of things that go. This is already. There's already you know it's already quite a bit. Um, so you know, and we can. You know, Keep the incremental nature of providing value in these minor releases, Micronaut. Uh, could you tell us a little bit what uh, what is coming in the upcoming future Micronaut Four release? In general, with major releases, we haven't like changed a lot. Uh, if you look at if you look at like Micronaut Two to make to Micronaut Three, it wasn't. It was more an opportunity not to introduce new features, but to remove. Deprecations and um, and upgrade libraries, third-party dependencies mm-hmm. from one minor rele- one um, major release to another. Mm-hmm. Um, so Micronaut Four is going to be the same in that we will uh, remove deprecations. Clearly, uh, that things that we've deprecated that users have known for long, you know, uh, for a long time have been de- deprecated, and um, 
the other thing it will be is uh, upgrading the third-party dependencies to the newer um, major releases. Uh, so that's you know uh, we will probably complete the migration from which we started already from the javax.namespace to the jakarta.namespace. I think there's a couple of things that are not validation, I think, is not yet migrated. And just complete that so everything is Jakarta namespaced. Um, and then I guess the biggest change for users is, you know, is that we have, we are baselining on Java 17. Uh, so that also has the implication that we will maintain Micronaut 3 for a long time because Micronaut 3 is Java 8 baseline and we have many, many users that yeah. are, are on Java 8 and I'm going to stay on Java 8. Um, so it's likely that we will in, in, even still backport features to Micronaut 3 and, of course, maintain patch releases, you know, security updates for many, many, many years to come for Micronaut 3 and Java 8. But it, I think it makes sense at this point to to you know def- make the move to Java 17 because it does allow us to innovate in lots of different ways that, you know, I, I don't think moving to, from Java 8 to Java 11 does anything in, for us in terms of uh, exposing productivity pr- improvements to the API or, you know, whilst Java 17, you know, we have things like records, um, which we can integrate into the API. We have things like sealed interfaces and sealed classes, which uh, allow us to define the extensible parts of the Micronaut API in, in a clear manner. You know, right now we have like certain classes, interfaces that are annotated with an annotation called internal. And we can say, you know, this is a sealed interface now that, you know, that's not you know, part of the internal API of the framework rather than something end users can, can, can utilize. And, um, yeah, and then there's a lot of, um, you know, obviously things at the JVM level that, that have been improved, you know, we could probably take a lot of, a lot of Micronauts compile time metadata, um, is stored in static fields. Um, you know, uh, not so much for GraalVM, which initializes that at, at build time, but for the JVM, we can, we can probably do things like use, uh, const dynamic to, you know, basically initialize the, those constants that lazily, um, as they're accessed. Um, potentially saving memory, you know, in other cases. So there's 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 benefits to you know making that jump, um, and uh, that users I think will, will appreciate. And the other thing is just like guides and documentation. You know, currently all of our guides, all of our documentation are Java eight baseline. So you know, we when we write a guide, we don't use the modern features of, of Java, right? And Java has evolved significantly, you know, it's, uh, it's in Java 17. So, you know, our, our guides and documentation should recommend the use of records, should recommend, exactly, yeah. rec- should use switch state, you know, uh, switch expressions and, and all the kind of um, latest and greatest things that are in Java. You know, they shouldn't be recommending essentially Java syntax, yeah, right? Uh, Java 8 syntax. Especially yeah. that many Micronaut free users are just using Java 17 these days, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and of course our users can go to the you know, other sources of information, but, you know, I think our, the, 
a lot of people look at the Micronaut guides as a kind of guide, guidance on how to use the framework and yeah, you know, exactly. we share best practices. And exactly. And someone sees, okay, why they are not using, I don't know, like the records in the examples. They just keep using POJOs. Yeah, or POJOs. Yeah, exactly. There is no VAR keyword used anywhere. So people may see, okay, you are still in this yeah. very old code base, yeah. which may also look like the, that the framework is, is not aligned with the the modern uh, exactly technology. exactly so i think you know because the way we've we we the way we write the documentation for micronaut uh, i'm not sure how many people are aware of this but um every guide every snippet in micronaut is actual code and we use ascii doc to uh to include real code snippets that are tested so not, not a single snippet of documentation that goes into snippet of snippet of code that goes into our documentation is not is is untested like um, code. It's all real code that runs as part of our test suite in, in all of the all of the guides, all of the documentation. Um, but of course, our build system and our everything is Java eight based, so we, we can't put into those snippets. Um, new the new language features because you know that would fail our, fail our builds or anything as much even if we wanted to um, so it's kind of interlinked with the way we build and everything um, the way we, you know and there's you know I think we need the whole Java industry I think needs to <laughs> embrace Java mm-hmm. 17 and move forward and um, and uh, I think that'll be it'll be a big deal for our Micronaut 4 to you know baseline on Java 17, and obviously it's it's a big change, you know, for for a lot of users. Um, but you know, our intention with Micronaut 4 is not to like break anything related to Micronaut, right? It's to baseline on Java 17, remove deprecations, upgrade dependencies. But we're not looking at like changing Micronaut in, in many significant ways or or breaking applications. Uh, our hope is that it's a an easy upgrade, but obviously, you know, when you're baselining on a new version of Java, uh, I guess that will be the biggest factor for people upgrading, I imagine. Um, and it has different implement, implement, implications. Uh, you know, just now we're starting to work on upgrading the Gradle and Maven plugins to, you know, be used dependencies that are baselined on Java 17 and upgraded and so forth. And, you know, there's things like... Uh, New major, you know, things like Gradle eight are coming out soon. Do we, as a, do we baseline on Gradle eight, you know, for Micronaut four and you know, that kind of thing. So um, there's lots of unknowns still. You know, we're still trying to target the end of the year. You know, I mean, that's definitely not a hard deadline, but um, but you know, the work has started already. And of course, the other thing, you know, looking beyond Java is uh, Groovy four. Um, you know, for the, in terms of the the Groovy audience. We're still on Groovy 3, moving forward. So the Micronaut 4 will also like provide the support for Groovy 4, yes? Yes. I tried uh, a few times using Micronaut 3. It was like something like 3.2 at the time. Uh, and i trying to force uh, the latest Groovy version, but it was... It no, didn't work. Uh, you know, ultimately we we have to in, we integrate with a kind of managed version of Groovy three. There's that, and that's what we support uh, because of the way we have to we integrate Micronaut with with the compiler of Groovy, and all of that has to be moved to Groovy four. What is your opinion on Groovy four? 
So I think it's, you know, it's important for Groovy to keep advancing and moving forward. And, and there's a lot of, you know, great, great features and advancements in, in Groovy, in Groovy 4. Um, and, you know, I, I, it's nice to see the language moving forward, right? Um, and, and, you know, Groovy is still vitally important for so many parts of the Java, e- Java ecosystem. For us, you know, we in Micronaut, um, you know, even though Bracknot is primarily a Java, most of the code base is written in Java, but, but 80, 90% of our tests are in Spock. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, because, uh, and I'm not sure how we would even write our tests without Spock because the way, the way our tests are written, we have a lot of tests that essentially dynamically compile Java code mm-hmm. and then, and uh, you know, uh, using multi-line strings in Groovy and often string interpolation, mm-hmm. dynamically compile a Java class and instantiate and uh, basically build a kind of embedded application context and you get a bean back. But then you know you often need to invoke methods on that bean. And you know, if we had to write those tests in, in Java, we would have to use a reflection, like reflective APIs, to essentially. Uh, Which so, is something you want to keep away from from Micronode anyway, right? So, yeah, know. but for but for our tests, you know, it's 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 useful, right? Yeah, uh, but then when people see, okay, but here are you you are using reflection here, so maybe we can also yeah. try to apply it. Well, you know, I think that the framework is, layer is different. Um, you know, one thing is your tests or whatever, and that's where Spock shines, and you know, um, and we can do reply assertions and do dynamic compilation inside of our tests to tests because Microlot essentially is a compiler plugin for Java, uh, Groovy and Kotlin. Uh, so we have to, you know, dynamically compile source code and then test the result. Um, so for that use case, you know, um, Groovy and Spock are like ideal, but you know, in terms of like what we generate, uh, with, with Micronaut, uh, for consumers of the framework, uh, you know, from the beginning, we were, we designed it to not use, uh, anything dynamic at runtime, runtime. And when I'm referring to anything dynamic, you know, a Micronaut app doesn't do, uh, dynamic class loading. It doesn't do, doesn't do reflection. It doesn't do runtime ge- generation of proxies. It's fully static at, at runtime. That has a simplicity to it because it's like, um, at runtime, Micronaut is really simple, you know, relative to, you know, there's no class loader hierarchies. It's just, it's just a, you know, a system, system class loader essentially. Um, and that, that, that has facilitated Micronaut's ability to be compiled into native uh, with GraalVM really easily. Um, the challenge is primarily, um, you know, third party libraries. But if you, you know, at the framework level, it just, just works, right? With GraalVM native image. So you mentioned that the Micronaut application can be easily compiled to the native image. Can you tell a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So it's actually interesting how that materialized, like historically, like, you know, Micronaut was open sourced in March 2018, and literally a month later, uh, GraalVM. And, you know, we kind of looked at the requirements to be for Java applications to be converted to native. And it said, you, know, you have to configure, if uh, you can compile the native as long as you configure, you know, 
uh, all the uses of reflection, all of the uses of runtime proxies, dynamic class loading, etc. And then, and then you have a, a working application. And we were like, okay, well, we're not doing any of this. <laughs> any of this, you know, uh, it should just work, right? And you know, after a few tweaks, we had to, you know, do something just to get Netty working. Um, it just worked, right? And uh, because MicroNode is all static class loading at runtime, uh, direct method dispatch, you know, relatively simple uh, to perform a closed world static analysis. And that I think that you know that that has allowed Java, you know, native image in particular has allowed Java to go places where you know it was just not possible to take it before, or or opened up use cases where. Um, which were not feasible before in Java, you know. I think, you know, a lot of people at the time were questioning, you know, does Java have a future in like serverless workloads or even containerized workloads in Kubernetes, and or you know, because of the the startup time um, consequences. And you know, native image solves a lot of those those um, those concerns. And you know, we've seen big uptake. Uh, in Micronaut uh, uh, plus Graal VM plus AWS Lambda, for example, and in general serverless, you know, Cloud Run, you know, etc. So, um, so that's that's uh, that's encouraging, you know. And beyond that, you know, uh, opening up the possibility to, you know, finally create native command line applications with Java, right? Which was, you know, never really a thing, right? Exactly. Um, embedded devices, IoT devices, you know, Micronaut running on a Raspberry Pi. So is the, the fast startup time the only benefit of going native? No, I mean, there's, there's, there's you know, several benefits. Um, there is a reduction in CPU usage um, in general, uh, both for startup and during execution. There's the reduction in memory consumption. So, uh, you know, a Micronaut app compiled into native uh, with Graal VM, apart from the startup, which is in the low milliseconds, uh, uses a fraction of the memory of, uh, you know, the full JVM. And that reduction allows you to run more, more, more instances, or in the case of Kubernetes, more, you know, more pods, more, uh, uh, in parallel. So, um, and scale out, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, the reduction in CPU usage overall. You know, if you see, really see that in, in limited CPU environments, you know, when you start up, um, Micronaut on like a Raspberry Pi, for example, you know, the, just the, the, you know, the amount of processing required, um, to spin up the JVM and do all the initial JIT processing and so forth. Um, you know, it, it takes, you know, probably around, you know, the last time I looked was around between 20 and 30 seconds for, before a Micronaut application starts up on a Raspberry Pi, but, um, but with with native images, a fraction of that, um, and then you know it doesn't uh, doesn't occupy as much uh, CPU time in general. So there's there, there's several benefits. Obviously, there's there's downsides as well. You know, there's the loss of write once run anywhere. You have to compile for a certain architecture. You have longer compile times. Um, you 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 likely you may have um, lower Peak performance because the JIT isn't, you know, there's no JIT to continuously optimize your application. Um, but it's a trade-off, and it's a trade-off that's allowed uh, Java to be used for uh, and Micronaut to be used in numerous cases that wouldn't have been viable before. 
And how about uh, libraries that use reflection? As far as I remember, Jackson is, is one of those libraries where, where it uses reflection heavily to serialize and deserialize uh, objects from the JSON format. How Micronaut solves this problem? Well, first, there's two aspects. Um, for Jackson specifically, what we, what we did was we wrote a Jackson module uh, that uses Micronauts, what they call bean introspections. These are compilation time produced types that allow you to read and write uh, bean properties and construct objects without using reflection. Uh, so we, we, we wrote a um, Jackson serialization modifier and deserialization modifier that, that essentially allows Jackson to be used without reflection. Um, and uh, that is pretty pop- popular because you now with Micronaut, um, you, you know, there's a certain, even if you're using Jackson, there's, there's no reflection happening, right? Yeah. Um, and that, that's why we also have to remember about add introspective exactly the, the 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 downside of that is you know you have to add an annotation to the type, right? So you add, add introspected. If you don't add it, it falls back to reflection. Um, falls back to using Jackson's normal reflection approach. Um, but recently, we've taken that further, where we've actually implemented uh, Micronaut serialization, which is a um, alternative implementation that is 80-90% um, compatible with Jackson annotations, <coughs> but doesn't use Jackson data, ban- data bind at runtime. So Jackson data bind itself is like I think it's like 2.4 megabyte jar file, and because it's it's a lot, it's fat, you know, it's. Um, because it has to have a lot of infrastructure at runtime to, in order to, largely reflection based, in order to allow objects to be serialized and deserialized. And then, you know, it has caches for that data because when you retrieve reflective data, you, it gets cached somewhere. And there's a lot of like heavy weight infrastructure that any reflection based library will have, right? Um, so with Micronaut serialization, Micronaut serialization is like, 300 kilobyte, right? Um, and, it, and it's a small jar um, that implements 80 to 90% of the Jackson functionality that exists. So you can still use Jackson annota- annotations. You can also use um, JSONB annotations if you prefer. Um, and uh, you can pick which actual JSON parser you want to use at runtime. So you can use Jackson's parser, which is which can be used without the data bind component, um, or you can use uh, JSONP if you prefer standards uh, based approaches. And because we've abstracted the encoding and decoding layer, and um, and it's completely reflection free, right? And and for native image, it actually reduces the size of the native image by five to six megabytes um, because <laughs> there's no Jackson anymore. Uh, no Jackson data bind, essentially. Um, and we've also been hardening it um, because we wrote, also wrote a encoder and decoder that's based on BSON, which is MongoDB's um, you know, encoding and decoding format. And Micronaut data, MongoDB, is based on Micronaut serialization. So every time a user, and we, we're seeing a lot of adop- adoption of Micronaut data, MongoDB, Every time a, uh, a user uses Micronaut data in MongoDB to serialize and deserialize objects from MongoDB, it's using Micronaut serialization under the covers, which again, zero reflection in play, uh, lower memory footprint, smaller runtime. You know, Micronaut is all about moving, moving things to the compiler. 
so that the runtime stays small. Yeah, and that's and predictable. And, and, yeah, and predictable. And that, and the micronode serialization is about is just an extra component of that. You know, the runtime is smaller, three hundred kilobytes as opposed to megabytes of infrastructure needed to support a reflection based library. Um, and that's and that, and that's like the the same thing with the rest of Micronaut, right? Um, you know, if you look at you know, we do all the computation for things like generics and everything during comp- compilation time. Whilst if you look at something like Spring, it has like a two and a half thousand line cl- class to resolve generics from reflection-based data, um, and that just doesn't exist in Micronaut, right? Because yeah. the, the the runtime is smaller. We do all the compute all that infrastructure to compute all of that. It, is in the compiler, and we leave the the actual runtime lighter weight. I guess solving these kind of problems uh, with solutions like Micronode serialization or uh, just the, the Micronode data bind uh, module makes you really proud of uh, the, the work that you put in the Micronode. But I would like to ask you if there is something that you would like to change. If you could just go back in time and start, you know, Micronode pre 1.0 release. Yeah, I think I would, you know, I think we were maybe a little bit too opinionated in certain areas. I think, I, I don't think we anticipated all the different use cases that Micronaut would be used for. You know, we, we started off obviously focusing on the REST microservices and, and so forth. But, you know, then, then, you know, uh, adoption kicked off and we had people using Micronaut in a lot of different Scenarios, which you know, um, from you know, from serverless to to desktop apps to command line apps, and as you mentioned, embedded devices, embedded right? devices, right? So, so there, there's there's probably you know uh, maybe a little bit too much in the core. Uh, I would say, uh, to, like for example, we have this feature where it does like cloud detection, where you you, know, you run your app and it detects what cloud you're running on and automatically mm-hmm. activates. Particular pro- profile, and that's like not needed in in, oh, in embedded devices or in, you know. so you have to explicitly remember to disable that. And you know that's one of the things I want to fix in Micronaut Four is like disable that by default. But we've been cautious about that because we do know we have a lot of users who use cloud as well, um, and it's a really useful feature because you can run your app on 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 Google Cloud or on Oracle Cloud or on Amazon, and it'll automatically hey I'm running on AWS. Hey, I'm running on Oracle Cloud, and then it, you can reconfigure it dynamically. Um, but uh, the feature has a cost, uh, you know, in terms of startup, and you know, um, and I, you know, I guess we have more work to do on the separation from the, of the compiler to the runtime. So, like when you when you run things at runtime, sometimes there's actually a little bit too much in Micronaut in terms of um, things that exist. Uh, that should only exist in the compiler, but are still there in the runtime. So, Micronaut 4 will be an opportunity to fix some of those things, um, as every ma- major release is. But you know, I think those those are the main ones. Is like, you know, as we've Micronaut has matured, we made it more and more modular and thinner and smaller, and but maybe there's even an opportunity to make it even even smaller, right? Yeah, but it also shows how you know the feedback. How how is it important? Because mm-hmm. uh, with your Experience with Grails. Grails was like, I don't know, like ninety nine percent just a web framework. I don't, I don't know if anyone else used Grails in a in a different shape or form. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Grails was just a web. You know, just, you know, people talk about Micronaut versus Grails, but 
you know, Grails was just a web framework. Uh, I think a, a really good one for its time, and you know, um, and probably Micronaut is still behind Grails in many areas. Like it doesn't have like scaffolding or CRUD views or anything like that, which is really a cool thing that Grails you know featured. Um, but Micronaut is much more broadly applicable to a lot more workloads. Um, you know, you can you can run write message driven microservices with with Micronaut or command line apps, or you know, we have people using it with JavaFX apps. Uh, there was, you know, there's lots of lots of potential use cases because ultimately Micronaut is a programming model for any kind of app, anything that has static void main. Right, um, it's a dependency injection engine and a particular way to do things um, uh, that helps structure your app. Um, and people can argue, you know, the value or the you know, of dependency injection, but uh, or or not, but ultimately, you know, my opinion on that matter is like uh, dependency injection has always made uh, encourage developers to structure their apps to make them more extensible and modular, and that's the real dependent benefit of dependency injection because you know you can design an application that is uh, you know easily extensible, e- easy to replace components, loosely coupled. Um, and well structured, um, whilst generally applications that don't feature dependency injection are tend to be hardwired together, hard to extend, hard to, hard to customize, and you know, um, yeah, Micronaut, for example, or Spring, or these things, you can write like a bean created event listener and listen for when a component is created, or write event listeners that you know hook into the way they work or replace components, and it's that extensibility and modularity that is benefit of a dependency injection system. Yes, and plus that uh, Micronode did not invent any new programming model like uh, I remember. That was my first impression when, when you announced Micronode at GridgeConf yeah. in 2018. I remember I watched the presentation uh, after the conference. And when I've seen it for the first time, uh, I was not very impressed in a way that this is just another Spring Boot kind of framework because I didn't get... What are the fundamentals of, of Micronaut? And at that time, I was really into Ratpack. I loved the um, features of, of Ratpack, but the problem with Ratpack was that it introduced completely new programming model. Like you had to implement those handlers. You had to think uh, reactively from, from scratch while I think you did a great job by just using the same uh, mental model, like for people that were coming from Spring Boot uh, experience. You, you just uh, sit down in, in front of Micronaut project and everything feels very familiar, even though the core is completely different if, if we compare to, to, to many other uh, Java frameworks, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, you know, I have been a Spring developer um, and our goal with Micronaut was always to create like a more, uh, a better, more efficient version of Spring. Uh, if I'm being honest, like a more optimized version of Spring, because you know we spent a lot of time um, profiling Grails applications and Spring applications, and you know you get to the point where you hit a wall, like this. This is all like the, the bottleneck here is reflection. It's in your runtime creation, the proxies, and so forth. Um, so you know we 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 tried to create a more optimized, more efficient version that uses comp- is compilation time processing, um, but that retained the productivity. So like for us, it was like there's no point in reinventing the programming model 
wheel because there's, there's nothing you know wrong with the programming model. Um, it's more you know how do we make the runtime more efficient, um, and that, that's what we've uh, <laughs> tried to do with Micronaut, um, and, and obviously make it. Uh, then GraalVM came along, and then how do we make it like you know automatically native friendly uh, for native executables, and that proved to be quite easy. Yeah. We talked about you know the uh, design decisions that uh, you would like to change. Let's look at Micronaut from the user perspective. Like uh, when you use Micronaut, what is your favorite feature? One of them is how the efficiency of Micronaut affects the developer experience. Um, so Micronaut starts like lightning fast, right? It's it's really really fast to start. Um, so that has knock-on effects to how it feels to, to work with it. Um, because it starts instantaneously when you run an integration test, for example, like with Grails and, and Spring, you know, they had extensive mocking facilities because that you had to learn because starting up the whole app was time consuming. Um, and so you had this separation between integration tests and unit tests and integration tests were slow and you wrote few of them. Uh, Micron, on the other hand, starts so fast that you know you write a lot more integration tests, a lot more functional tests, and we have like um, you know projects where you have thousands of functional tests, and they they run instantaneously. And now with our recent test containers integration, which shares the test containers amongst all of the tests, it's we've solved the problem of the database because the only bottleneck was then you know how do you start the test container quickly so all the database is only started once. Um, and that development experience of executing tests quickly has massive benefits because you get the feedback loop really quickly. And Micronaut doesn't have extensive mocking libraries or facilities because you don't need them generally, right? We do have one annotation to mock out a bean if you really want it. But in general, you, you don't have to, you know, majority and you don't of have to even use a mock, like yeah. uh, in the mock terms, right? Because yeah. you can just add some dummy implementation of, of exactly. So it's 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 that kind of where the kind of efficiency of the startup and the environment has implications on the developer experience. And then the other area that I think is great is that's compile time nature. So. Um, and I, I and the, the way we made the compiler extensible by end users or by the modules. Um, so the, the compile time nature is great because we have you know we have great error reporting. Um, so you know with a with a purely runtime framework, if you put a value into an annotation that is invalid or incorrect, it would it fails at runtime, right? Um, it's like, you know, this is, and you get a, a, an exception at runtime that this may be, may be difficult to understand or whatever, or it takes time to get to that exception. Um, whilst with Micronaut, uh, a lot of things get caught during compilation. So if you put an invalid value into an annotation, the compiler will fail and you get a Java C compilation error, which is awesome, right? You get it right before your application is running. And it even extends to things like Micronaut data. You know, if you, if you write a Micronaut data repository, and you define a finder that is on a on a on a, a field or an entity 
that is that doesn't exist, you get a compilation error. Exactly. Or if you retire, define a return type that's not possible or is incompatible with the query you're trying to write, you get a compilation error. Um, and that means the you know you, you, the feedback loop is, short, is shorter because you're getting compiler errors and you, you fix those before you, before you get the run, running application. And it also great how Micronaut integrates with the existing tooling. I love IntelliJ like uh, when I get exactly. code completion on Micronaut data repositories. It just yeah. suggests me what fields I can use and uh, operators. This is yeah. maybe this is not like a you know deal breaker, but it's uh, from the productivity perspective. It's it's such a useful thing. Yeah, combined with compilation errors, you made a typo. Everyone, everyone makes a typo. Yeah, uh, every once in a while, and then you just get a very fast feedback. You know? Yeah, and it even it, it even extends to like annotation values. You know, if you put like you know, so it's typical to like in a web controller, like try and bind a parameter to an annotation. And if you get those in, misaligned, you get a compilation error, or you put something invalid. Um, so I think that's really cool, and that's. And the you know the, I think the final area that is really nice is the way we made the compiler extensible, like like I mentioned. And I love, for example, the Open API module where you know you add it and basically it hooks into the compiler, into the and we you know we've defined this whole model where you can like in a language neutral way you know visit the AST of of the project, which you know speaking about ASTs is like maybe for a lot of developers over you know. Not something they want to know about, but it's nice that you can add the open as a user. You can open the API module, add it to your project, and as you compile, it's generating your open API definition. And, and, and because uh, because the we can do things like because Micronaut is source code processing based, we can do things like the open API module, for example, will look at your Java doc and include it in the API definition for all the parameters and. Uh, and generate your open API based on the Java.com comments that you, as a developer, normally write, which is really nice. Yeah, and I know that a lot of de- developers do the invoice. They generate their Java code from an API definition rather than the open API, but we have that as well. But, um, but just that integration where you can look at the source code and see the Java.com comments and, and include them in, uh, as you compile open API definitions is, is really cool. And I think that, that, that infrastructure can be extended to lots of different use cases. Right? So that's one feature. What would be the uh, the productivity boost that Micronaut gives you? What would be the the, the second Micronaut feature? Let's say maybe what's your favorite part of the the Micronaut framework as a library? So I think that uh, I've always been you know in Grails, um, my favorite area to work on was GORM, um, and I've always liked. The database use case and uh, Micronaut Data is definitely <laughs> a favorite of mine. Um, you know, I I, I love uh, and I like I like the decisions we've made with Micronaut Data, um, making it like extensible, taking that experience of building GORM. In fact, we even reused parts of GORM. You know, <laughs> forking some of it and so forth. Um, uh, adding the compilation time checking to GORM to Micronaut Data. Sorry. Um, and, uh, and, and now, you know, we have implementations that, you know, we obviously we have support for JPA, which, you know, a lot of people are familiar with, but, uh, within the implementations, I really like the JDBC implementation because it's really simple, right? It's just stateless, 
Uh, and if you like SQL, so it's like I have this object. I have the, and, and it works with records. Yeah, Java 17 records. So you can say, yeah, I have this SQL query just binded to this record and, you know, um, return it for me. And, you know, stateless, there's no notion of the session or flushing or synchronization. It's just really lightweight, um, which is, you know, great for some new use cases. And then more recently, obviously, you know, we, we did the MongoDB support and we, we're going to keep Expanding micro data because you know data access is such a critical feature, critical aspect to most people's applications, right? So let's say I'm a newcomer to to Micronaut framework. I have some experience with Spring Boot and other fr- uh, Java web frameworks. Where should I start uh, learning Micronaut? What would you recommend me as a newcomer? Way to start is through our guides. Um, so we have if you go to guides.micronaut.io. Uh, we have a, an extensive set of guides that take you through getting started, like you know, Hello World, Beginners kind of guides. But they also go beyond that, right, to specific use cases, like if you're using a de- relational database. Uh, there's, you know, guides on micro data for JPA, for JDBC, for, you know, R2DBC, if you're looking at reactive use cases. Um and you know, there's a lot of detail there. We have guides on using integrating Kafka uh, messaging systems, and there's also guides on like beginners concepts, right? Uh, so recent, recently, you know, there is a guide been published on uh, dependency injection and understanding it. So if you if you don't have a basis of that, or you want to understand the basics of the dependency injection, there's good guides on that. Uh, and the guides are good because they have um, uh, you know they're small focused. Um, they're multi language. So if you're coming from Java, uh, then you have a, a guide in Java. There's also the same guide in Kotlin, the same guide in Groovy. Uh, so you can focus them on your language. And there's also uh, there are multi build tools. So they you know whether you're a Gradle fan or a Maven fan, you can choose one of them, one of them that that suits like your your model of development, right? Mm-hmm. And um, each guide also comes with uh, a sample application, and the guide system that we put in place is really interesting because you know uh, it's it basically is another automated kind of build process that goes with each Micronaut release. So every time we do a Micronaut release, we bump the version of the guides, and it builds a whole new guide for the latest version of Micronaut with sample code in all the languages, sample code in all the different languages. Uh, all the different build tools and tested snippets so that we know they work. Um, and, um, and yeah, there are smaller focused guides. If you're looking to go beyond that into more detail, you know, the, the Micronaut user documentation at docs.micronaut.io has user doc, um, reference documentation. And I think the last time I looked, the, the, the docs documentation for Micronaut core, is like 250 pages of user documentation. So we, we've, we have put a lot of focus on documentation, guides, tutorials, uh, to help users get started. Um, and, and then of course, if you do want to create an app from scratch, you can go to start.micronaut.io and we have an application generator, um, that you can create your app in whichever language with, with whatever features that you want to use. And uh, get started. 
import it into your favorite IDE. Or even push to GitHub, right? Or, yeah, it has a great feature. You can download a zip file or you can push directly to GitHub and it will and then clone the repository clone it and, and start development. So that's, uh, you know, that's a great way to start creating your first app and, and getting started with, with Micronaut. I hope we will, you know, do this, conver- this similar conversation in the future, I guess. Maybe I when so. Micronaut yeah. 4 is already released, we can sit down and, and discuss. That would be things. awesome. Thank yeah. you very much and have a good day. I would like to thank to all the uh, Micronaut Foundation's sponsors. Uh, who made this podcast uh, possible and made possible the not just the development but also the um, the advocacy of the framework? Uh, and those are Object Computing, uh, MicroStream, Safri.net, Visor Games, Gradient Enterprise, and JetBrains. Many, many thanks to all of them. Also, many thanks to all the uh, community uh, individuals who sponsored the foundation as well. Uh, without your support, it will not be possible to uh, maintain the framework. So, thank you, thank you. Uh, a lot and I hope you enjoy the interview um, many many thanks to uh, Simon Stepniak uh, for providing us uh, this material uh, don't hesitate to check uh, Simon content in YouTube or Twitter or in the website it's fantastic material uh, uh, with a further ado go and update your projects to Micro 370 and uh, enjoy uh, using the Micro framework thank you mm-hmm.